For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. My name's David Crampton. I'm the father of Paul Crampton. In three months, four children died. Nine fell suddenly ill. Paul was admitted to Grantham Hospital in the early part of 1991, five months old at the time, with a chest infection. Nurses say they were mystified. No one is certain if the mystery deaths and illnesses on the children's ward were natural or sinister. Clearly we were concerned that he was going into hospital, but not worried, particularly when he was described by the hospital staff as a happy wheezer. It has become a long and complicated police and medical investigation. In connection with the case, a nurse working for the hospital has been put on extended leave. In the early days of the investigation, there was no indicator about who may be responsible. As soon as we began to look at individual cases and began to see that there was a common factor, then clearly the finger of suspicion began to come towards Beverly Alley. Phil Booth, I'm a journalist who at the time was working at the Lincolnshire Echo. I think the fact that Alit had done what she did got to everyone. It got to everyone in the office at some point. It was just so hard to believe that a nurse could do this. And we're talking babies as well as very young children who were being, in the worst cases, killed and in other cases, seriously harmed deliberately by someone who was meant to be looking after them. Paul was the youngest of three children. Family life was as one would expect for young children, busy. I was building a career, Kath was looking after children. We lived in rural Lincolnshire, away from the big cities a busy, happy family life. Three days after Paul was born, he was diagnosed with chickenpox. 
When Paul reached five months old, we took him to the doctor because he had a wheezy chest and he was taken to hospital clearly for observation and we believed it was purely precautionary. He was a young child, got a wheezy chest, you know, the right places to get him looked after until he gets better from it. So Paul had been in hospital a few days and on the, the Saturday, we were told that Paul would be able to come home the next day. So clearly that was a happy event. The worry had now subsided. And then on the Sunday, we went into the hospital. I went off with the two older children to go to the supermarket and Kath went into hospital to see Paul. When I returned, I walked into the ward, Ward 4 at Grantham Hospital, to a scene that I wasn't expecting, a very scary scene. Paul was laid in the arms of one of the nurses and he was cold, clammy, little lifeless, exactly the opposite to what I was expecting. I remember that Nurse Alex was in the room at the time and I remember her saying, this child is hypo, which I later found out was a reference to hypoglycemia. At that point, the doctor was called eventually arrived and Paul was taken into the recovery room. I can't remember how long it was, but sometime afterwards we were invited into the uh, treatment room and Paul was sat up playing with his toes. An apparent total recovery from this child that was grey, clammy, suffering from a hypoglycemic attack shortly prior to that. I'm Stuart Clifton, and at the time of the Grantham Hospital Enquiry, I was the Detective Superintendent for Lincolnshire in charge of the operational CID. It's way back in 1991 that I first came across the name of Beverly Allett when one of my detective sergeants at Grantham contacted me to say that he'd had a call from Grantham Hospital which suggested that they'd had a high number of collapses of children which may or may not be down to some criminal act. About a week or so into the inquiry, the whole investigation was blown by the local paper. And of course, then the world's press descended on Grantham. Grantham woke up this morning as a small town making headlines. It has become a long and complicated police and medical investigation. Until experts from both sides meet here this afternoon, no one is certain if the mystery deaths and illnesses on the children's ward were natural or sinister. This was a huge story. Parents were taking the children to hospital to be made better and they were handing them over with full trust to these people. And to find out one of them was doing what she was doing was just, just beyond belief, really. When we took Paul into hospital, Ward 4 seemed a happy, friendly, bright place. Hospitals with children's drawings and things on the wall. Again, exactly what one might expect in a hospital. But I do remember there were moments of trauma within the hospital. Clearly, um, children were ill, and clearly some of them were perhaps more ill. And we saw moments of frantic action. 
can't remember the specifics, but certainly there were moments when people were being treated. I think from the off, the press were very concerned about making things even worse for the parents of these children. We'd been asked to not go around to see them. We'd been asked to let them grieve and to let them get over what had happened. And we were more than prepared to do that. That's often the case in any criminal case. But this, in particular, with what had happened, we didn't want to add in any way to the suffering of the parents. At the outset, it was explained that each of these children had collapsed. When I use the term collapse, I'm talking in terms of each of them having stopped breathing, and the resuscitation team, known colloquially as the crash team, were called to resuscitate the children. Sadly, four of those children had died. A further nine had gone on to receive treatment, and some, unfortunately, had suffered brain damage as a result of, of, of the acts of their collapses. At the time, I didn't know what had caused Paul's hypoglycemic attack, and I was really struggling for many days with the hospital staff to get any answers to why Paul had suffered a hypoglycemic attack. It was clear to me that the hospital staff were struggling to find a reason for this sudden and unexpected change in Paul's health. Not long after, he had a second hypoglycemic attack and we went through the whole process again. And of course, now we were really worried. This was two hypoglycemic attacks in a very short time. And once again, we were unable to get answers to why this might be the case. But of course, a few days have gone by now and you start to get a bit of recovery. You start to get optimistic about, okay, these are, these are one-offs and you know we're on a road to recovery and no further problem. Then Paul had a third attack, at which time they decided to transfer Paul to Queen's Medical Centre in an ambulance under a blue light. And of course, we subsequently realised that the only thing we needed to do to make Paul well was remove him from Grantham Hospital and the influence of Beverly Allen.
When I returned to Paul's bedside, Paul was grey, clammy, so I recognised the symptoms immediately. And, and Paul was clearly in some distress, so, you know, it was, he, he clearly needed medical attention at that, that stage. When Paul was transferred to Queen's Medical Centre, Kath, my wife, um, subsequently told me that she'd asked if Beverly Allett could join her in the ambulance along with another doctor. And Allett, I understand, asked permission from a more senior ward sister and actually went with Kath in the ambulance. Beverly would often carry on and say things like, well, I don't mind going with him while he's transferred to Nottingham. And she would go in the ambulance, you know, with blue lights flashing. She's the centre of attention. Nobody knows what's happened to that child except Beverly. She's the only person there, so I'm important because I know what's happened to this child. It's remarkable, isn't it, that someone who has harmed the child can calmly go in an ambulance with the mother of that child, who, who clearly will be in distress, to hospital. That's remarkable. I don't understand the personality that allows you to do that calmly. And indeed, I believe, gave Kath a hug at some stage and said, I hope things go well. That's, um, that's pretty remarkable, isn't it? I drove to Nottingham. What I remember was a fairly frantic journey, a very worrying journey. Perhaps, perhaps I wasn't actually in a condition where I should have been driving, in retrospect. When I arrived at Queen's Medical Centre, Paul was in the intensive care unit. But the atmosphere was different to that at Grantham. It was calm. I felt confident, immediately confident. The air was totally different. And of course, I don't mean that's any disrespect to the hard-working, dedicated staff at Grantham Hospital, but clearly things were out of their control. And at the time, we didn't know that. We didn't understand the reasons, but we now do. It was Allard that was causing mayhem there. Michelle Billingsley. At the time, I was um, a policewoman working on the what we call the family service unit at Grantham Police Station. Police were called to the hospital, and they didn't know what was happening, so they thought that the police ought to be involved, and Stuart Clifton, my boss, went up and had a meeting with various officials from the hospital to discuss the case.
After this last attack, Dr. Porter had taken blood which had been sent to the University Hospital at Cardiff for examination. And there had been a telephone call from the examining scientist which had suggested that something in excess of 500 milliunits per litre of insulin was in this child's blood. So here was the first indication that there's a criminal at work in Grantham Hospital. The report contained quite a bit of detail, but it basically said that there was very little grounds for continuing any, any form of investigation. Despite that, I decided that I would concentrate my teams on Paul Crampton. And we began by looking at the care of this, this little boy. When we got the blood results, I began to realise that there was a serial killer that was working on that ward and was causing the collapses of, of these children. I remember being on duty in May of 1991 when Stuart Clifton, having had the meeting at the hospital, came into the office and said, I've been having a chat. There are some um, strange happenings, um, for want of a better term, that have been occurring on the children's ward at the hospital. They've no idea what's causing it. I've no idea what's causing it, but what I'd like you to do is to get up to the hospital um, and see what you can find out. And I distinctly remember him saying that morning, this will be about a three-day inquiry. And so off to the hospital we went, not having a clue as to what we were going to find and what we were going to come across. The inquiry has looked at the possible misuse of the drug insulin. The problem for police and scientists is that it's quickly absorbed by the body, leaving little trace. I received a phone call from Grantham Police. They said, we'd like to come and see you. And I said, well, you can come to my office then, if you like. And um, this policeman arrived, and I remember the receptionist saying, the police here to see you, David. And the officer was brought into my office, and then the officer said, we're here because we have reason to believe that Paul's illness was the, as a result of the maladministration of drugs. I remember my words nearly exactly. That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? It soon became apparent to the people in that incident room that one name kept coming up time after time after time for being present, and of course that was Nurse Beverly Allett. As the inquiry was progressing, it was becoming more and more clear that um, Beverly Allett was in fact becoming a suspect for being there at the time of these attacks and causing some of the untoward incidents. When we first heard about the name Beverly Alice, I sent reporters out to Grantham to find out what they could about her background. And it quickly became apparent that a lot of people had some concerns about her from when she was very young. 
There was nothing serious, certainly nothing criminal. But from what we kept hearing, a number of people thought there was something a bit odd about Beverly Allen. I think that she had some sort of issue where she wanted to be the centre of attention. We didn't know at the time about Munchausen's syndrome by proxy, we'd never heard of it, but it became obvious that she wanted to be seen as a saviour, as someone who was going out of her way, going above and beyond to rescue people. The fact that she put those people in that peril to start with didn't seem to matter to her. She just wanted to be seen as the one who was putting things right. Following the visit from the police, it was a bank holiday weekend. And during that weekend, Kath and I had started to put a few pieces of information together. We, we knew that other children in the hospital had suffered unexplained illnesses and there were deaths. So we'd started to build a picture around, okay, maybe this is not isolated to Paul. On the Tuesday, I called Grantham Police and the officer had come to see us. And I said, look, who's in charge, and I'd like to come and see him. And that um, I was then invited to go out to the police station to see Superintendent Stuart Clifton and started to build a relationship. I began to look at the circumstances of insulin in Grantham Hospital. And I found that it was kept in locked fridges on the wards. And on the children's ward, the key to the fridge had gone missing three days before the first child had collapsed. Beverly Allett was the last known person to have that key, but no hospital investigation had actually taken place in relation to, to the missing key. On that day as well, we'd established that the fridge key on Ward 4 had gone missing during February. And I asked her on the 14th if she knew anything about this. And I specifically remember her saying, oh yeah, I vaguely remember that um, the key to the fridge on Ward 4 went missing. But it was just as vague as that, basically. It was hard for me to be faced with this girl who's 22, pleasant, chatty, welcoming you into the, the house, quite happy for you to sit there and talk to her, um, to think that could she be the person responsible that had caused, at this stage, Paul Crampton's attack. The two didn't seem to marry up at that stage.
On the 21st of May, three weeks or so into the inquiry, I decided that I would have Beverly Allen arrested. I basically couldn't take the chance that if she was still working on there, she would harm more children. Albeit that I hadn't completed the investigation by any means. We, we were merely scraping the surface at that time. In connection with the case, a nurse working for the hospital has been put on extended leave. Alec was unremarkable in every way. She was just a member of the staff. Um, when I spoke to her, she was pleasant, but she didn't stand out in any way, good or bad. She was just someone in the hospital. She was clearly quite junior, so I spent more time talking to people that were more senior about Paul's condition following his first attack. But, yes, yeah, she was unremarkable in every way. I think at the time of conducting that interview, we weren't putting two and two together as to what she was actually doing. We were getting a flavour of what sort of character she was, and it was apparent that she was never going to make any admissions. And we were establishing what sort of girl she was and the fact that she was chatty and she would talk. She was still coming across as this naive girl, really. And I was struggling to think, you know, could she be responsible for this? I suppose a lot of us, and I certainly know that Stuart Clifton, um, the officer in charge, was hoping um, and naively thinking that a 22-year-old girl that had never been in trouble with the police before was maybe going to admit to all the things that she'd done. I convinced the hospital that they needed to suspend Beverly Allett from duty because we couldn't take the chance, and they couldn't take the chance, that, that another, another child would, would be attacked. And we looked then at the circumstances that surrounded each and every child's care. Many of these children had collapsed on more than one occasion. The one common factor to it was that Beverly Allett was there either just before or at the time that each of these children 
collapsed. My name's Paul Swanek, and uh, I used to live in Grantham. And in 91, my son was admitted to Ward 4 in uh, Grantham Hospital with asthma. He'd had asthma for quite a bit, and my wife at the time knew that it was going to be bad. Um, obviously, being his mother, you know, she knew more than anybody. And um, it was from there that uh, we decided to take him to the hospital, where he was admitted to A&E. Daniel, my son, had been in there two days, three days, and he was getting be better, he was getting a lot better. And he was off the medication, the, the strong medication. The missus, being a smoker, uh, decided to have a cigarette, and whichever nurse it was said, yes, I'll look after him whilst you go and have a cigarette. She went and had a cigarette, decided as she was about to light the cigarette, there was a terrible, terrible uh, feeling of foreboding. She decided to come back and see if my son was okay. My wife ran round to our cubicle and the nurse was changing and putting back some sort of uh, medication that should have been finished. My wife said, no, he doesn't need any more medication, take that out. And um, as she said, I'm going to call the doctor and, and see what he has to say, the nurse stamped on the floor, threw something down on the cover of the bed, and that was it. I never saw her again, this nurse, and that was Beverly Allen. I just think, never, for the grace of God, is my son. Beverly was re-arrested in the September of 1991, but when it came down to talking about events at the hospital, all she would say was, it's not me, I haven't done it, and I wasn't even there. Despite the fact that at that time, we could actually prove that she was, because we charted the collapses of the children and the nurses on duty. Once again, she was released on bail because we were awaiting a final report, and that was all. She was re-arrested about three weeks later in early October, and on this occasion, she was charged with four offences of murder, 
eight offences of attempted murder and eight offences of causing grievous bodily harm with intent. 23-year-old Beverly Gail Allett of Grantham was arrested at 8.45pm last night and is appearing before magistrates today. Families of children who died while being treated at Grantham District Hospital gathered at the court from early this morning. Bizarre is one word to describe how she was when she was charged with these offences. She stood there as if you were just reading out a train timetable or something to her. There was no emotion on her whatsoever. And bearing in mind that she had made no admissions whatsoever to these offences, she made no representation like I've heard in other cases, well, you know, I haven't done this and pleading innocence or anything like that. No reaction whatsoever. She obviously knew what she was being charged with, but it just didn't have any effect on her. I think that clearly Paul being such a clear case that this is not a medical condition allowed the police to start an investigation and, and stop Alert's reign of terror and mayhem within Grantham Hospital. If it hadn't been for Paul's case, of course, who knows what would have happened? How much longer would have Alert have gone on attacking children before she'd been, it had been put a stop to? It was a 61 days these children in the hospital suffered, and that's a long time, you know. But at least it was stopped after 61 days because the police were involved and there was an investigation. If Ball's case had not shown such a clear case of the maladministration of drugs, who knows how long that may have gone on for. I think if my ex-wife hadn't had the feelings, hadn't gone round and checked up where my son was and argued uh, with the nurse that um, a doctor should be called, then he wouldn't be here now. He wouldn't be a father himself with three kids. And I don't know, my feelings at the moment um, are as, nigh on as raw as they were then. But I've got my sons, that's the main thing. I think I knew it was Beverly Allett as soon as the police told me it was Beverly Allett because of my confidence in their abilities uh, and their running of this particular case. So I was very confident it was Beverly Allett. But it still requires a judge and jury to convict. And that's always, there must be some doubt until that moment of that guilty verdict.
The former nurse is charged with the murder of four children. She faces a further eight charges of causing grievous bodily harm with intent. The trial was a difficult time from an emotional perspective more than anything else. You know, bearing in mind that Paul was well, and while we were in court, Paul was at home, a happy child growing up. But clearly there are parents in that court who had suffered tremendously at the hands of Alec. They'd lost a child. So a very emotional experience. And clearly there was quite a press frenzy at the time. So it, yeah, it was a difficult few months. On that morning, she was taken to court in a police van. The press and the, the families were all outside the court, and there are photographs that were taken. She is sat at the side of me, and she looks happy, she's smiling, she's leaning forward, she's looking out the window of the van, trying to see who's at the court, as if she's really enjoying the moment, and I'm sure she was. I've covered numerous court cases over the years. The Alec one was totally different. It was the sheer volume of people, not just press, but the public gallery was packed. The whole atmosphere was one of excitement, but at the same time, horror as well. I think all the press there knew what to expect, but even so, when the the prosecution opened their case and outlined exactly what had happened and what Alec had done. It was still a real shock for a lot of the journalists. Both Kat and I gave evidence of the child. That's not easy. You, it's a criminal court. It's an imposing atmosphere, so it's not easy. From what I recall of Alec during the trial, it was someone who was showing disinterest. There was no emotion shown on her face at all. I remember seeing her during the trial and thinking she just didn't seem particularly fussed. She, she didn't seem surprised by anything. She didn't seem concerned. She didn't seem nervous. She just sat there and just watched blankly as the facts were outlined. There was a lot of emotion in the court. You can imagine that there you've got the families of, of children that have, and they, they've sat through and listened to the evidence of, of collapses, sometimes on numerous occasions, of, of their particular child. The parents were willing the jury to, <laughs> to return some sort of verdict because they wanted some sort of closure on it. In May of 1993, the jury returned their verdicts. She was convicted of four counts of murder and nine counts of causing grievous bodily harm with intent and was given 13 life sentences by the judge. The jury came back to court today after six nights in a hotel to return their final verdicts. As they did so, families in the public gallery hugged each other with relief. Well, I saw Beverly out as a rather pathetic figure, really, and when we listened to her medical evidence, we probably could conclude that these tragedies were inevitable. At the time, and subsequently, I don't expend any energy thinking about Beverly Allen. 
she's convicted of a crime, there are more important things to expend my energy on, and Alex not one of them. Nurse Beverly Allett has become Britain's first female serial killer. She heard the news by telephone in Rampton Top Security Hospital, where she's been treated for anorexia. Not too bad. What's the good thing about it? We're out, got more freedom in it. You like it better than where you were before? Why? Because I've got more freedom. I'm not locked up all the time. I mean, I'm a parent now, and the thought of taking my child to a hospital for a nurse to then do what Beverly Alec did, it's just beyond belief. It's something I couldn't get my head around. I've seen a lot of very nasty crime stories in my career, but this one sticks out simply because the parents of these poor children were taking their children to a hospital to be made better. And Beverly Alley wasn't just making them worse, in some cases she was killing them. And I think that is just so hard to, to get your head around, really. Initially, she came across as a naive, ordinary, friendly 22-year-old girl. It became apparent to me that she was very clever, very cunning, very manipulative. Whatever Beverly Alec wanted, Beverly Alec got, and she would find a way to manipulate everything and everybody to end up doing what she wanted to do where she wanted to be. Paul has completed a degree. He's fit, well, young man. He's doing the things I was doing at his age, you know, getting married, building a career, earning a living, paying a mortgage all those good things. I don't think I've ever been in, ever been in doubt about the enormity of, of what could have happened to Paul. But it didn't, you know, uh, and we are and continue to be grateful for that. And as a result of that, uh, we are in a much more fortunate position than some of the parents because, you know, well, this is part of our life that we've been through. We're reminded of it regularly but it doesn't distract from the rest of our life anymore. If we had been in the same position as some poor unfortunate families, who knows what I would be thinking and Kath and I would be thinking at this moment in time. Well, I don't know the answer to that. And thankfully, I don't have to know the answer to that.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.